0: Of a bachelor degree nursing program over the years i've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting i want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together welcome to today's episode of let's review rn today we can dive into coronary artery disease and move into acute coronary syndrome Let me begin by saying coronary artery disease is a subcategory of atherosclerosis. The term atherosclerosis means hardening of the arteries, and although this disease can occur in any artery in the body, we're talking specifically about the coronary arteries. The atheromas, which are fatty deposits, prefer coronary arteries. Atherosclerosis is characterized by a lipid deposit within the intima of the artery, which in turn causes endothelial injury and inflammation which plays a central role in the development of atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis is a major cause of coronary artery disease. We talked about this inflammatory process in the hyperlipidemia podcast, so I won't touch on this again. However, I will add that the endothelial lining can be injured as a result of many things, including tobacco use, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, toxins, diabetes, hyperhomocysteinemia and infection, causing localized inflammation, which can induce a local inflammatory response. Coronary artery disease is considered a progressive disease that takes many years to develop, and it cycles through staging of first being fatty streaks, then it turns to fibrous plaque, and then complicated lesions. As atherosclerosis develops through the stages of fatty streaks into fibrous plaque and then complicated lesions, increasing inflammation can result in the plaque instability, ulceration, and rupture. Once the stability of the artery wall is compromised, platelets can then start to accumulate, which in turn can lead to thrombus formation. All of this leads to further narrowing or even occlusion of the artery. As coronary arteries become narrowed and over time occluded, collateral circulation can occur within the coronary circulatory pathway. Collateral circulation is when over time the body can form new blood vessels, also known as angiogenesis allowing for delivery of oxygen and nutrients to the myocardium distally to the occlusion. Collateral circulation occurs more in the presence of chronic ischemia and when coronary disease had developed over time. With rapid onset of coronary artery disease or coronary spasms, there is not enough time for new blood vessels to evolve to deliver adequate nutrients and oxygen around the specific occlusion. Let's talk for a moment about risk factors for coronary artery disease, which include non-modifiable and modifiable risk factors. Non-modifiable risk factors include increasing age, gender, and it's of importance to note that coronary artery disease is more common in men than women until the age of 75, where the risk is then equalized. Ethnicity plays a role as a nonmodifiable risk factor, and coronary artery disease is more common in white men than African American men. Genetic predisposition and family history of heart disease plays an important factor in the development of coronary artery disease. Modifiable risk factors include elevated blood pressure greater than 140 over 90, diabetes, tobacco use, sedentary lifestyle, obesity, which can be defined as a BMI over 30, or waist circumference greater than 40 inches in men or greater than 35 inches in women. We also want to take a look at patient 's cholesterol panel, which will give light to modifiable risk factors, including total cholesterol greater than two hundred milligrams per deciliter, triglycerides greater than one hundred and fifty milligrams per deciliter, LDL greater than one hundred and sixty, and HDL less than forty in men and less than fifty in women. Other contributing factors would be fasting glucose. Greater than 100, which is considered impaired fasting glucose and can increase the patient's risk for development of diabetes. Elevated homocysteine levels and psychological risk factors are also important to consider, such as depression, anxiety, anger, and stress responses. There is a very significant genetic predisposition in the occurrence of coronary artery disease. Family history is a significant risk factor for the development of coronary artery disease and myocardial infarction. And in fact, a lot of these patients with angina or a history of MI can identify a parent or close relative who died of coronary artery disease. As coronary artery disease progresses, patients can become more and more symptomatic. When there is an increase in myocardial oxygen demand and the coronary arteries are not able to keep up with the supply, myocardial ischemia can occur. The term ischemia refers to lack of blood flow and oxygen delivery to the tissue. Angina, or chest pain, is a clinical manifestation of myocardial ischemia. Chronic stable angina refers to chest pain that occurs both intermittently, meaning it comes and goes over a long period of time with a similar pattern of onset, duration, and intensity. Many times, it is a symptom of physical exertion, anger, or even stress. Patients can describe their angina in many different ways, including chest pain, pressure, heaviness, or even tightness. Some may even say that it feels as though it's a suffocating sensation. When further questioned, patients may describe other symptoms that can coincide with chest discomfort, including dyspnea, fatigue, nausea, and diaphoresis. Chronic angina pain is not often alleviated by changing position. When asking about patients experience angina pain, it is important to discuss the radiation of pain because it does not always occur substernally and rather can radiate to the back the jaw, or even down the arm. Women can sometimes describe their discomfort as a feeling of their bra being too tight. These types of symptoms are referred to as angina equivalent. Stable angina usually lasts for only a few minutes and commonly subsides when the patient is able to rest or use sublingual nitroglycerin. If an EKG were to be completed during an episode of stable angina, you may see ST-segment depression and or T-wave inversions, which indicate ischemia. The EKG likely returns to baseline when the pain is resolved. Silent ischemia is ischemia that occurs without symptoms. This is seen most in patients with diabetes and is likely because of diabetic neuropathy affecting the nerves that innervate the cardiovascular system. Variant angina, or also known as Prince Metal angina, is a form of angina that often occurs at rest and not with increased physical demand. It is heavily related to coronary spasms, which can occur in the presence or the absence of coronary artery disease. Spasms are thought to occur due to increased intracellular calcium of the smooth muscle in the coronary arteries. Similarly, microvascular angina is common in postmenopausal women and is sometimes often referred to as syndrome X. In microvascular angina, myocardial ischemia is associated with atherosclerosis or spasms of the coronary microcirculation. Lastly, unstable angina is discomfort that occurs at rest or with increasing frequency, duration, and intensity, or sometimes patients who have stable angina now experience more chest discomfort with less and less exertional effort. The chest discomfort usually lasts 10 minutes or more. When ischemia is prolonged and oxygen deprivation occurs to the myocardium, acute coronary syndrome develops. Acute coronary syndrome includes both non-STEMI, which is non-ST segment elevation myocardial infarction, which is determined by looking at the EKG that does not indicate any ST elevation. Or STEMI, meaning ST elevation is noted and stands for ST segment elevation myocardial infarction, which is seen on a 12-lead EKG indicating ST elevation in the affected leads. When looking at this on a cellular level, the heart muscle becomes hypoxic, The cells of the myocardium are deprived of O2, as well as glucose, which is needed for aerobic metabolism and contractility. As a result, anaerobic metabolism begins, and lactic acid starts to build up. It is thought that the heart cells are viable for approximately 20 minutes, and after this 20-minute mark, if there is no collateral circulation or revascularization, irreversible heart damage can occur. An MI, or myocardial infarction, occurs during these episodes of ischemia, which leads to, again, irreversible myocardial cell death distally to the blockage. Signs and symptoms of an acute MI include heavy chest pain, substernal crushing or tightness, all of which may be unrelieved by nitroglycerin. The pain can radiate to the neck or left arm, but also the shoulder, the jaw, and the back. Shortness of breath, fatigue, diaphoresis, And cold and clammy are also symptoms that are commonly seen. Syncope can also happen due to a drop in blood pressure and elevated heart rates may occur too. Other symptoms that are more associated with women but not limited to women only include flu-like symptoms, feeling of indigestion or heartburn, symptoms for a number of days, and feeling as if their bra is too tight, like previously said. It is very typical for these symptoms to have a sudden onset. Acute coronary syndrome management includes early and prompt intervention, which can reduce the long term complications associated with myocardial infarction. A nursing mnemonic to remember that is associated with the immediate treatment of myocardial infarction is MONA TASS, M O N A T A S S. This stands for morphine, oxygen, nitroglycerin, aspirin, thrombolytics, anticoagulants stool softeners, and sedatives. Morphine is an analgesic drug which is used to reduce pain and anxiety, which also has beneficial effects such as vasodilation and decreases the workload to the heart by reducing preload and afterload. Oxygen is used to provide and improve oxygenation of ischemic myocardial tissue oxygen, plus bed rest is enforced to help reduce myocardial oxygen consumption. O2 is given via nasal cannula, 2 to 4 liters to begin. Nitroglycerin has a first-line treatment for angina pectoris and acute MI, which causes vasodilation and increases blood flow to the myocardium. Aspirin is used to prevent platelet aggregation. The earlier the patient receives aspirin after symptom onset, the greater the potential benefits. Thrombolytics are used to dissolve the thrombus in the coronary artery, allowing for reperfusion. This helps minimize the size of the infarction and preserves ventricular function. Anticoagulants are given to prevent clots from becoming larger and blocking coronary arteries. Stool softeners are important to avoid intense straining that may trigger arrhythmias or another cardiac arrest. Sedatives such as Valium may be given to limit the size of the infarction and give rest to the patient. The mnemonic MONA TAS is a mnemonic to help remember primary interventions. However, it does not represent the order or prioritization of administering them. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Let's Review RN. And remember, you can find me with the Instagram handle, Let's Review RN. Feel free to drop me a message on anything you're interested in learning about in upcoming podcasts. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.